All right, let's do this. Let's play Six Degrees of Sagata Sanshiro. Are you ready? Uh, wait, what? Yeah. Do, didn't you come prepped? We're going to discuss I thought this the... was a Common Rider podcast. No, no, it's, well, technically it is because Hiroshi Fujioka has been the king of Common Riders, the original Takeshi Hongo. <gasps> but there's also the fact that, you know, he's played pretty much every major figure in Japanese history at some point or another. Psychics, uh, crazy warrior monks, samurai for the king of fighters. I, just, I should just point out that if this were a Sega Saturn podcast, we'd be fucked because I don't know anything about the Sega Saturn. Well, well okay, I know some things, like how it was a horrible failure that never should have existed. Don't you what? know what's on my desk you know what's under my tv i do it's like the, it's this is like the time i bought a set of uh masamune shiro trading cards explicitly to annoy you yeah but if you say anything about shiro all i'm going to do is bring up the horse oil picture <laughs> actually i did eventually see that and even i had to go like you know what this is a little weird and i mean not like i've i given the kinds of weird porn that i have it you know the reaction is like i don't know that i'm shocked it's just something's very off about it hey garrett you're welcome that i'm not putting the horse oil pick in the notes for this show you should probably cut that nope <laughs> i just want it on record that this is all Fletcher's fault. Always is. <laughs> no, but seriously, I know when it comes to the Sega Saturn, I know uh, about its dubious technical capabilities in the realm of 3D and the hideous uh, backbending you had to get to get it to work, the fact that it doesn't use industry standard programming, and of course, Bertie Stolar. And. You know what What people don't like? 2D. You know, on this machine that's kind of made for 2D more than 3D. And, you know, you know what else people don't like? Anime on this Japanese car. There's a lot wrong with uh, some of the marketing, is all I'm saying, on the U.S. side. Whereas in I Japan, was going to say, it's, it's an all-time great console. None of these are problems. <laughs> so... so... <laughs> So the problems are not problems. Yeah. Japanese culture everywhere around this thing is a feature, not a bug. No, I mean I I mean the fact that you can get a lot of those games and even now you still have to pay some hideous import fees. There's a there's a CD SD attachment though. Aren't you the one who's I, aren't you, I'm the one who's supposed to hire it here. Yeah. 
but I'm against piracy, but I'm also against scalping, and I ain't paying $2,000 for Dark Savior. How much are the... I think, think the Blue Destiny games go for some hideous prices. I still need to play those. No, you don't. Yes, I do. It's, it's, things look like they move at decent speed. No. <laughs> right. You may as well finish that thought. Things move at decent speeds in that game. Like, like stuff, and it's... Things move at decent speeds in a lot of Sega Saturn games. No, I mean, like, compared to Rise from the Ashes, which is a lot slower, from what I remember. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were just disparaging the system again to get to me. No. I was legit- I was- I was disparaging the system- then I was making legitimate complaints about the fact that it was unfairly maligned and had some- some flaws that may have, you know, not been the best decisions in hindsight. Unlike the that sound you're hearing is me stroking a Sega Saturn. <laughs> I would praise the Dreamcast, but uh, I'm not really a Dreamcast owner either. Uh, uh, that is my wife's job. Yes. Anyway, we gathered here because of the fact that our hosts needed a little bit of time this weekend to finish the grueling last stretch of Kuga, and so as a result, I pitched... Six Degrees of Segata Sanshiro, the career of Hiroshi Fujioka. A.K.A. Takeshi Hongo, Kamen Rider 1. A.K.A. quite a lot of people, because I pulled up his listing. Uh, this dude really has played roughly every major figure. Ride Kiku. That's his lay motif in the first first Kamen Rider movie. It's great. Except, I, that's you know, true. Without, what? If that's true. Yes. Takeshi Hongo was Kamen Rider 1, the first of the many cyborgs, and also a bunch of other things which you were mentioning before I rudely interrupted you. He also played Kamen Rider 1. Yes, I just said that. No, no, I mean he literally played the original Kamen Rider, and he played Kamen Rider 1 in the movie Kamen Rider 1 in 2016. Yeah, that's still the same guy. No, it's a different universe. No, I'm pretty sure it's the same universe. Kamen Rider 1 is very definitely not the same. Oh, I thought it was just... I think... Are we going to have to look this up? I can tell you very much, because Kamen Rider 1 led into Kamen Rider the Third, which was the sequel reboot movie that was not praised. Uh, Kamen Rider... Then you... I think you're missing the next. Up... You're right. The next. No, you're missing up Common Rider One and Common Rider the First. Those are two different movies. Common Rider One was the 2016 one that had the ghost people in it. Yes. Okay, which is the one I'm thinking of then? Because you're he thinking was... of Common Rider the First, which is the just the reboot, which has some other guy as the first Common Rider. You know, a guy of appropriate age, and it's just. A reboot, except we're using uh, archive footage of uh, Dr. Shinigami, I think? It is Shinigami, yeah. Yes. Okay, wait. I have to... Fuck me, you're right. So Bella Lugosi really is in this... Is uh, Dr. Sh Shinigami. He, both of them get used as archive footage from Beyond the Grave. 
Wow. I am future events such as forgot. these will affect us in the future. The fuck is this guy? <laughs> How did you mix this up? I don't know, but I also just learned that uh, the dude who played Hongo in that movie was also Matoki in Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon. Huh. Yeah. We're learning all kinds of things today. Oh shit, he's red in Ryu Soger. That is the currently airing Sentai series. Maybe we should do a Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon podcast. Look, if you want to save me from the tailspin that I have dragged us into, go nuts. What, the pilot that I, that I, the pilot we're doing? <laughs> oh, no, that, that could happen another time. Um, no, I meant this. If you want to go into that, it's still Toku. No, but... no, I don't, no, I haven't seen it. I mean, I haven't but... seen any, any of this, but this, this is more relevant and funnier. So the thing you have to realize here is that uh, Fujioka has had a massive career. There is a planet named after him because an uh, astronomer found something and gave it the name of his childhood hero. There's, you know, the whole Sagata Sanshiro campaign where he was the physical manifestation of the console and, in fact, survived death. And also, he's been a voice actor pretty regularly as he gets into his old age. He was Shan Yu in Kingdom Hearts 2, the old guy from Mulan, if you recall. He's done quite a few Squaresoft things, and you're the Pokemon expert. Who is Phantom? Uh, Phantom. From Pokemon Ranger and the Prince of the Sea, Manaphy. Uh, look, I know nothing about Pokemon Ranger. That's the games where you draw draw shit around Pokemon. It, it's just... If there's anything I hate, it's stylus mechanics. Hate them. Hate them. That's why I've never finished Dawn of Sorrow. Wait, really? I mean, there's a hack that removes them now, so I probably should. That in, you know, DS emulation, and I didn't have a DS. And Dawn I was a little Sorrow annoyed about the anime style compared boss. to the painted style. But it's but most but since that I've went you know I should probably play this and I kind of haven't. You really liked Araya? Yes, I did. I mean, I are you surprised by this? No, but I would also, say also it's Aria. You. But that can't be true. That's the name of a character in Crypt of the Necrodancer. Right. You... <laughs> I'm yep. choking on my own yep. rage now. Gotcha. That's your payback. Could have played the Sega Saturn card against me. <laughs> well, I, I got to steal a line from Mr. Swoon, so. That's fair. Shout out to my boy, Mr. Swoon. He works at a weed store now. <laughs> he does! You should hook me up then. He's in your city. No, I. Wait, he is? He's Canadian! Well, he's get not all Canadians live in the same place. Okay, despite evidence to there's, the contrary, there's Canada and there's Quebec. Are you in Quebec? <laughs> I'll take that as a no. He's not either. Therefore, <laughs> I 
Also, can I say, some of the things that uh, Fujioka has starred in sound amazing, and I am going to find them later tonight. Like what? Crab Goalkeeper. The film documents the life of an oversized crab who is hired by a soccer team as a goalkeeper. It has been described by the director as being like Forrest Gump, but with a crab. <laughs> These are real quotes. I could see Hiroshi Fujioka as Forrest Gump. Yeah. That would probably improve that movie. I mean, you do know all about the failed Gump sequel, right? How do you make a sequel to Forrest Gump? So, A, there was actually a second novel. Uh, well, I mean, that probably helps. Um, Have I mentioned I've only seen, like, 20 minutes of Forrest Gump? It's okay, you are missing nothing. <laughs> I kind of assumed. So, now that we're on this topic, I am going to bring up how insane the, uh... How insane the novel is, and then the failed sequel, which we heard about the script of earlier this year. So, Forrest Gump's novel, Gump and Co., involves the shrimp market goes crazy, uh, Lieutenant Dan sold his share to Forrest to fund a retirement, and then there's a union strike, and all of a sudden, Forrest discovers... <laughs> That he has been ruined by the fact that he did not negotiate, and his men just stopped going out to get shrimp. This is real. This is how this starts. Then he becomes... connection something to do with the first novel slash movie? Yeah, at the end he he starts the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. Oh, spoilers. Yeah. So, uh, Forrest then becomes a player for the New Orleans Saints after he was formerly a janitor at a strip club in New Orleans. Uh, and keep in mind, he's in the four, his 40s or 50s at this point. And then, uh, then his trading card is found several hundred years later by Captain Sisko? <laughs> that one was just for you. It was. Um... Forrest invents new coke. This is not a joke. Uh, Jenny's ghost then tells him that he's being used by the capitalists. And so he decides to sabotage new coke, at which point he leaves that company. And then he joins a pig farm, which proceeds to lead to him solving the energy crisis using pig shit. That's not a joke. Then, the pig-powered plant melts down by exploding and flinging pig shit all over everyone, which he, he is warned about by Jenny's ghost again, so he gets out of there. Then, Lieutenant Dan shows up again. He is now even more handicapped, blind. People stole all the money he made selling his shares early in the novel. And Forrest is then sent into Iran to kill the Ayatollah. Again, I'm making up none of this. You can go find a copy of Gump & Co., a novel that was created by its creator because he was so pissed about the movie that he wanted to make the sequel unfucking filmable I mean, it, this sounds pretty unfilmable, yeah. We're not even to the crazy part. Uh... That would be the part where Forrest 
in prison after he is the only person who is not disavowed after killing the Ayatollah, meets goddamn John Hinckley Jr. in jail. I, I presume you know who that is. I should, but I'm blanking at the moment. All right, well, anyway, that's for later. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, I'm just going to speed up to the crazy part, which is when Forrest and a talking monkey are in space. That's it. That is where this novel ends. Forrest Jr., a monkey, are in space, and then he gets uh, involved in Whitewater. And that's where the novel ends, because it was the 90s. Huh. Yes. And then it turns into Planet of the Apes, Tim Burton? I mean, if there had been a third one, he would have had to. But <laughs> this is somehow not as crazy as the second film was planned to be, because after that novel they went, well, we can never do that. Which is why someone wrote a script that was going to end with Forrest Gump dying in 9-11. Wow, that is terrible. Again, that script is out there if you want to read it, and just Google Forrest Gump sequel 9-11 for some real fun. I'm sure Tom Hanks would have loved it, though. I mean, have you seen his last few movies? I guarantee he'd be back. Fletcher. Have I ever seen a movie? Fiona, sometimes I'm talking to the audience. It's not always about you. <laughs> well, it should be. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyhow, looping back seven layers, there is also the fact that you might know uh, Fujioka from the Shenmue games, where he was Ryo's father. I have not played those either. Never play those. Also, Ryo's father dies. Like, ten minutes in. You realize a bunch of people have tossed, have hung up this podcast in a, in a rage right now? Anyone who still thinks Shenmue is good, A, needs to play Yakuza, which got it right, and B, is going to be really disappointed when that game comes out uh, two years from now. How is it still not out? It's still not out because nobody in their right mind can find the passion to work on a Shenmue 3. You start coding it, and the sheer ennui of that series creeps into your soul, and halfway through a line of code, you fall asleep. <laughs> you have very strong opinions about a lot of things. Shenmue is a sandbox that exists. But it's not a game. Oh, I can play actual games in this if I work a job in a virtual game to get Yen coins to put into Sega arcade machines to play Hang On in a weird emulation in a window on my screen. Okay. It's like Animal Crossing. Except without the charm. And name me a single person who wants to fuck a character in Shenmue. That's a very strange criteria you have there. How much Step 2 do you have you've been playing lately? Uh, I finished Cyber Dimension. Oh right, you've been playing, uh, uh, Fairy Fencer F. 
Excuse me, it's the enhanced port, Fairy Fencer F Advent Dark Force. Containing knockoffs of... Everything, really. Well, yeah. I mean, my main character is basically Sora as a burnout. Yes, knockoff Sora, dating, uh, shitty knockoff Madoka, and also featuring, uh, shitty knockoff Netgear wearing what is actually Madoka's outfit, not whereas the shitty Madoka character is wearing an entirely different outfit that is complete shit. I love how you suddenly have opinions about a game you've never touched. I'm just recycling the jokes I use when you show them to me on Discord. That's fair. It's for, it's, look, it's for the audience. I mean, I don't really care, but, you know, that's not very funny, right? Except when it is, of course. You need to be earnest. Make jokes from your heart. I mean, if I did that, uh, I don't think you could take this podcast out. You can't see it, but I'm making the little heart shape in front of me. I'm just saying that if we turned this podcast into what I wanted, uh, you'd have to put a content warning on it. For more than we reason. started discussing Masamune Shiro's horse oil pick. Come on. Okay, wait. I just found a pretty wild rabbit hole. What, another one? Yeah. So, another one of his roles is there was a 2006 tokusatsu film called Sinking of Japan, which is basically... What is it about? Well, you see, it's a remake of a 70s disaster film where a tidal wave just swallows most of the island. Uh... Nihon Igai Zenbu Chinbotsu, however, is a, which if I were to translate it would be Everything Other Than Japan Sinks, is a black comedy film based on this, <laughs> which is, uh, well, let's just look at this description. In the year 2011, the greatest tectonic disaster in the history of mankind occurs. As a result of catastrophic earthquakes, massive volcanic eruptions, and huge tsunamis, North and South America, Eurasia, Africa, and Australia have sunken underwater, while the Japanese islands remain untouched thanks to the Chinese land which sunk and went underneath. Japan suddenly discovers it is the destination for all of the world's surviving refugees. Consequently, they are all forced to make incredibly uncomfortable adjustments to share the world's last habitable landmass. So, yeah, I think I need to find this later, too. I later found some of these films, and what I learned was that Fujioka was cast in this one because he was in the original film in the 70s, Japan Sinks, which this was a parody of. So it was actually a recursive joke that was on me for not getting it. I mean, to think, when we started, the only one that I thought I needed to find was Espy, the film where he plays uh, one of a psychic squad of spies trying to stop a madman named Goro who is assassinating human leaders with psychic powers. Wait a sec. Yep. It's like The Incredibles with Kamen Rider. Yes, and also one of the only times you can ever see Hiroshi Fujioka in, like, a normal person's suit. As opposed to 
whatever whatever kinds of suit sea work constantly in the seventies. Uh this was the seventies. It was nineteen seventy four. That's right. It's young, hot Fujioka. Hot hot in that sort of cute way, not in that stern daddy way he has now. Hiroshi Fujioka is dream daddy. Hiroshi Fujioka, <laughs> rough dad. You can't believe how hard it was to get through that line without laughing. That's not even the first dream daddy joke I've heard today, which is the weirdest part. <laughs> The other one was discussing Mamoru Chiba. And then that turned into, you know, now Haruka is finally a daddy. You know that they're they're making the live-action Gundam movie finally? Maybe. Probably not. We'll have uh, Hiroshi Fujioka pre- play Rambaral, who is also a dream daddy. In you Bill think Rambaral? I was thinking, um... Fuck. Of Dozel. all the times to... Fr- yes, Dozel. I mean... Six I of one, half it. a dozen of the I other. Yeah. Does he want to shave that day? <laughs> That's pretty much what that comes down to. Also, I'm just kind of amazed about the fact that he's playing a regular recurring character in Tonka movies. So if you want to see children's version of uh, Fujioka, please hunt down Tomika Hero Rescue Force Explosive Movie Rescue the Mock Train. They reused some, some bits from a Brave Mold once. That's all I know about that stuff. Oh, I thought you were just going to say they reused the Thomas the Tank Engine puppets in horrifying ways. No, that would be interesting. Hey, remember when there was a Thomas the Tank Engine movie that was cut to complete shit and people are still trying to find the footage from it? Uh, no, but this is another tangent. You want me to go down that rabbit hole? I mean, it's up to you. Let me find out who the character was that was cut from it, because that's the thing that I'm trying to remember. What, is there some mysterious lost, uh... Thomas the Tank Engine character? That's literally the thing. They made a full film and somewhere in the middle of it, they cut out an entire subplot with one of the villains. So, like, you see this there guy in two scenes. in Thomas the Tank Engine? Yeah. But why would there not be villains in Thomas the Tank Engine? I mean, what is the villain her train schedules. Look, I don't know anything about Thomas the Tank Engine, which is weird, because it's the kind of exactly the kind of thing you'd think I'd love to love as a kid, being based around machines and not inferior fleshlings. There we go. Uh, director Britt Allcroft revealed the theatrical release was drastically changed from what it was originally going to be, with original antagonist P.T. Boomer played by Doug Lennox, removed from the film because audiences considered the character too scary for young children. So he's basically in two scenes in the film that are cut away from quickly. So... What can I say? 
the children who went to see the film about the anthropomorphic tree. I mean, this is a British film, right? Yeah. I mean, I've I've seen enough of enough Doctor Who to know they don't give a shit about scaring young children. Well, you're apparently not supposed to have a mad bomber in a children's film. Oh, and Hasbro was involved in the video game release based on the film. Of course Hasbro's involved. They're involved in everything. Hasbro or Hasbro and Bandai are like the uh, Disney and who else owns everything now? Warner Brothers? Yeah, they're like the Disney and Warner Brothers of the toy world. So E3's next week. How are you feeling about that? Why, why did you suddenly bring up E3? I don't know. This has gone so far off the fucking rails. Why not just throw something into pad time? Know, is there a Common Rider game at E3? Ah, uh, it's... You know, if that was going to happen, it would be at TGS. Oh. I was just sitting here like, wait, who would bring that? No, wait, no. I try to avoid getting excited about anything at E3. Because I swear the last time that I actually got excited about something at E3, I was bitterly disappointed. It's like, oh, look, there are all these games, and, you know, they're new, and I might get to play them sometime in the next decade, given how slowly I accumulate consoles and hardware. Counterpoint. Do you know what got announced and released within, like, two weeks' time? Uh, no. Nep Shooter. The Neptunia shoot 'em up. <laughs> That's real. What? <laughs> what? Wow. Gonna just leave me dry on that, huh? I mean, for a lot of our audience, I th- I think that's going to be a better punchline than I could ever provide. And now you're going to tell me you're not excited about the fact that there's an R-Type Final 2 Kickstarter going, huh? I mean, mildly. I still haven't played the original R-Type Final. I have it on my hacked PS2 that I made. R-Type Final is a classic game that has one of the most cursed stages in all of shooters. The problem of the main problem with this is that I am terrible at shoot-em-ups. Terrible. Hey, R-Type Final Stage 3 is for you. Uh. It is a battleship stage, much like is usually in the franchise, where the entire stage is you destroying a massive battleship piece by piece. Except the problem is due to the background effects, this level runs at Somewhere between 12 and single-digit frames at any time. That's, uh... It's not amazing. However, because of that, it also means that if you have the right ships, you can destroy the bosses before they load. It's handy, I guess. Yeah! But I'm playing on a hard drive. They'll probably oh, load before four. It won't I'm help ready. you. What? It won't help you. <laughs> I seriously challenge you to try that game sometime and just get to stage three. There's an invincibility code. 
You can do it. You know, before that, I should probably beat Radius 5. Oh, yeah. But if you have trouble with shooters, that is the wrong game to play. That, that's it. That's a, uh, that's, that's quite a noise. That's but a treasure I've that game. a couple of times, but usually in other contests. Look, you can enjoy trains. I get horny for the Vic Viper. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I know. That's the best part. Okay, but what would you rather fuck? Vic Viper or Peter Gabriel? Peter Gabriel, because he's not cold and metallic. Since what is that a good thing? Since I guarantee I would get all sorts of horrible friction burns from the Vic Viper. There is no good place to put a dick on the Vic Viper. I'm looking at the model of it right on my desk. I mean, you know, some... some enders i am not going down on dingo egret <laughs> i'm just saying the vic viper is in those games it's in one of those games yeah, well there's only two of them three okay, three three of them ha you fell into my trap whoopty shit i forgot about the gba game that's incredibly mediocre I bet you forgot about the manga and the anime, too. No, I remember those. They just... I just recall those weren't really great either. And you know what else wasn't really great either? Are you going to say the entire franchise? No. I I just said Zone of the Enders 2 was pretty good. Are you... So, just what? Just the first game, or...? Uh, the first game is a thing that should not exist, no. I mean, of course it should exist. It has the demo of Metal Gear Solid 2. But it's the future, and we have the full game of Metal Gear Solid 2. I just, it, it just, I've told this story before, I swear, but I remember just getting so apocalyptically angry that the, uh, Zone of the Enders HD Edition had a met demo of Metal Gear Rising on it. It's like they were trying to anger me specifically. Do you not like Metal Gear Rising, or is it just the fact that it was undercutting your mech series? Uh, the latter one. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't have any real opinion on Metal Gear Rising. I should probably play it, but I don't own it, and I'm not really great at that genre. You can safely skip it. <laughs> it's the Okami of the character action genre in that it goes on way too long and is overhyped. I mean, I figure I should give it a shot at least once. I mean... Mm. Remember when this record was about Hiroshi Fujioka? I don't know how much of this made it into the main show. It's possible a lot of this will end up as outtakes after a credits music. <laughs> I've also got the weird half-Steve Bannon face of Val just, Kilmer staring just, at me as we do this. The credits will just start here, and then the rest will just be outtakes. Hey, remember that part when I started with Hiroshi Fujioka and suddenly we got to Thomas the Tank Engine? <laughs> 
How did I do that? Look, I get what I do random tangents, but you... It's been... Half the time, it's been you. I took notes. Somehow I took notes, and this is what came out. Is this like the time... Is it like the time I was going digital, and I somehow forgot half the notes? Because the episodes of Mega Man were so boring? Yeah, but you say the episodes of Mega Man were so boring because they sidelined a female dominatrix. I mean... That was only part of it. The rest of it was terrible, terrible pacing and directing. And you didn't even watch the future ones. No, that's because I make you do all the hard work. That's why I added this podcast. Look, I don't... Look, they don't call me Queen Fiona because I'm diligent and hardworking. If you're royalty, you make everyone else do all the hard work. That's what's so great about it. So what you're saying is all your dominant energy was just inherited from your parents' name? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even joke about that. My parents... You just imagined right, your this, parents in a dominatrix is, gear. <laughs> no. It's just, no, it's more because of... Look, I'm not going to reveal my surname, but I will reveal the fact that I changed it from my birth surname because uh, I want nothing to do with it. Especially since it's my father's name, and that, that generally that side of the family is dead. Did you just pull a reverse? Do you know who my father is? Is that a thing? Oh my god, do you not know that expression? No. Okay, yes. Do you know who my father is is very much a thing. I've never heard that phrase before. Uh, I want you to imagine it's said by a blonde woman named Becky who is asking to see your manager. No, not 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 coming to mind. Okay, well, everyone at home gets it. Is this an American thing? I was about to say, do you not have fathers in Canada? Uh, judging judging by uh how Wells parental stuff goes with most of the people I know, probably not. Canada. Land of a thousand mommies. Look, we've got a statue of a spider that represents motherhood in this city. And I didn't put it there. That's despite... right, you do. You literally have that. Yes, I do. Great. Now hmm. they can locate me. We already said you live in Canada, though. Not Quebec. <laughs> so are we just going to cut here, or do we actually want to go back to the ostensible subject of the podcast? I mean, do you have anything else to say about Fujioka? I mean, I was wondering if you wanted to talk about Common uh, Rider 1 as a character, or his work in the show, or actually more describes the god of Sanjiro to the people who are listening. Or anything, you know, vaguely relevant that might actually be informative. Oh, sweet summer child, informative is not my shit. But okay, uh, Sagata Sanshiro was a parody of Sugata Sanshiro, the judo master of an Akira Kurosawa film. So it was an old man in a gi going around fighting people for the honor of Sega until he sacrificed himself to die in space with a missile because someone was mad about the Sega Saturn and the Dreamcast. 
they literally had a commercial to kill off this character as Sega left the hardware market. I thought I thought that was uh, that was just before this before the Dreamcast, not like as they exited the hardware market entirely. That was roughly the space of a year, so you know they're kind of the same thing. Am I wrong? But he survived. Well, we know that he got to appear in Project Death Zone Two, which is just a Super Robot Wars game with, except with instead of robots, it's video game characters, and also a couple of people from Super Robot Wars. Who's your favorite character in Project X Zone? What did you say? Who's your favorite character in Project X Zone? Um. Is Selen Brown again any of them? I mean, I know her cat girl ripoff is. I don't think so. No. Um, should I just make, go with the joke answer and say Cosmos? Cosmos, you mean? Look, you're, I haven't played Zenosaga. Have you never heard that name spoken aloud? No. That game had voice acting. Well, I never played it. It doesn't have robots in it. Why would I? But yes, it does. <laughs> Everyone has a giant robot. What in Project Death Zone? No, in Xenosaga. Oh. Anyway, Fujioka's in Common Rider Agito. Which Common Rider is that? That is the pseudo sequel to Kuga. Which is. The show that this show is currently finishing. There are Common Riders besides Common Rider, Rider and Common Rider Black. Yeah, there's Black RX. <laughs> Anyhow, you got anything else, or do we have a good outro? I mean, we had a good outro before I forced us to record past it. Oh yeah, maybe we're in overtime right now. That's the fun part. I really have no idea what this is going to sound like when we're done. I feel like I'm going to use a lot of the reading rainbow, but uh, that sound effect. <laughs> what? Like you wouldn't? What would you use as a stinger every time you need to cover and edit? Well, I mean, have you heard of subliminal messaging? That's not covering an edit. Also, yes.